Welcome to Vango Notes for The American Story by Robert A. Devine, T.H. Breen, George M. Fredrickson, R. Hal Williams, Ariella J. Gross, and H.W. Brands. Chapter 16, The Agony of Reconstruction. Section 1, Big Ideas. Reconstruction is complicated, as you've likely discovered, but by basing our review upon three major topics, it is easier to grasp the most important aspects. We'll begin with the politics of Reconstruction, then move on to life in the South during Reconstruction, and finish up with the end of Reconstruction. The politics of Reconstruction started with Lincoln and Congress struggling over how to best reconstruct the Union. With no guidelines in the Constitution to assist them, they faced bringing the South back into the Union while simultaneously addressing the issue of four million freed slaves. What would the federal government do for them? By 1863, Lincoln and Congress were debating both the reconciliation of North and South and what to do with the freed people. Lincoln proposed a moderate program to restore the Southern states to the Union when 10% of their voting citizens signed a loyalty oath. But at the time of Lincoln's assassination in 1865, the issue of Reconstruction was still unresolved. When Andrew Johnson first took over the presidency, he had support in Congress. Johnson's hatred of the Southern aristocracy was well known. But when Johnson's policies proved lenient in practice, a clash with Republicans, especially radical Republicans, was inevitable. Congress took matters into its own hands. First, it extended the life of the Freedmen's Bureau. Then it passed a civil rights bill to grant equal benefits and protection to black people. Johnson vetoed both measures, but Congress overrode his veto of the Civil Rights Act. But Congress felt the act faced serious challenges from Johnson and the court system. To address this weakness, they passed the 14th Amendment, which made the federal government responsible for guaranteeing equal rights to all Americans. The midterm elections of 1866 are generally referred to as a referendum on the 14th Amendment, since it was the central issue of the election. The Republicans made great gains, resulting in a two-thirds majority in both houses. That majority ushered in the period of Radical Reconstruction, also known as Congressional Reconstruction. The first Reconstruction Act of 1867 temporarily placed the South under military rule and allowed for the readmittance of Southern states only after African Americans were allowed to vote in those states. It also included plans for redistributing plantation lands to former slaves. Congressional Republicans also retaliated against Johnson by trying to impeach him in 1868. Johnson narrowly escaped impeachment by one vote, but radical Republicans had gained control of Reconstruction. Now let's turn to life in the South during Reconstruction. While Johnson still controlled Reconstruction, the Southern states held conventions to establish new governments. But even though the conventions were dominated by Unionists and yeoman farmers, they only grudgingly accepted the terms of readmission and did not grant voting rights to blacks. When under the new constitutions, new legislatures were elected, they signaled their intentions towards the freed people by passing black codes. These varied by state, but were generally meant to limit black people's freedom, from freedom of movement to choice of employment, rights in court, or even control of their own children. In many ways, this was slavery in disguise. Congress addressed the situation in the South with a variety of measures. It refused to seat the newly elected Southerners and called for a joint committee to review Reconstruction policy. It passed the Civil Rights Act over Johnson's veto, 
modified the Freedmen's Bureau Bill, and passed the 14th Amendment. Once the midterm elections in 1866 had given them clear majorities, the period of Radical Reconstruction began in earnest. Politically, Radical Reconstruction established Southern governments made up of Northern Republican businessmen, poor white Unionists, and for the first time in American history, freedmen. These radical regimes made significant progressive reforms, including establishing the South's first public school systems and other public services, and democratizing state and local governments. The question of labor was crucial in the post-war South. Cash was in short supply, and most black people didn't want to work for wages since it meant they would still be controlled by whites. So a new labor system, called sharecropping, developed. Blacks worked land independently for a fixed share of the landowner's crop. It became the dominant agricultural system in the South because, in theory, it offered blacks a chance to eventually own the land they worked. Although most black people initially viewed sharecropping as a step up from wage labor, they soon learned that it trapped them in a cycle of poverty and debt. In their private lives, Southern blacks gave meaning to their new freedom in several ways. Some couples had their marriages legalized. Men and women utilized the Freedmen's Bureau and the court system to assert their rights. They established networks of families, churches, political organizations, and community institutions, and sought education for themselves, and more importantly, for their children. Men exercised the right to vote, and during Radical Reconstruction, many blacks were elected to office, though that political foothold did not last long. Whites were trying to retain control of their homeland, white and black Republicans were trying to enforce new ideas of Southern government, and blacks were trying to gain ground economically, politically, and socially. With all this push and pull, the United States needed a strong president. In 1868, the country elected Ulysses S. Grant, whose two terms were plagued by scandal. He was not up to the challenge of Reconstruction. Our final topic is the end of Reconstruction. Republican efforts to secure black rights culminated in the passage of the 15th Amendment, which guaranteed the right to vote regardless of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. But even with the 14th and 15th Amendments ratified by the states, Grant's administration failed to protect black suffrage in the South against violent groups bent on restoring white supremacy. Organizations like the Ku Klux Klan used terrorism, insurrection, and murder to intimidate Southern Republican governments and black voters. In many ways, Reconstruction is the story of lost opportunity. It met its end in the Compromise of 1877. In the 1876 election, Democrat Samuel Tilden won the popular vote, but the Electoral College vote was contested. The committee which decided who would receive the contested votes awarded the election to the Republican, Rutherford B. Hayes but the decision was threatened in the House, which had to ratify it. The leadership of both parties reached an informal bargain to gain House ratification. Hayes would be president, and the last federal troops would be withdrawn from the South. Black Southerners were abandoned. The Southern aristocracy, now referring to themselves as the Redeemers, took complete control over the South in the name of white supremacy and economic development, without government scrutiny, creating a new South. Southern governments began codifying segregation, or making it legal, through the enactment of Jim Crow laws. Economic and physical coercion, including hundreds of lynchings, kept black people from voting, 
while the convict lease system reduced blacks convicted of petty crimes to a system of forced labor that was often crueler than slavery. In 1896, Jim Crow was upheld by the Supreme Court's ruling in Plessy v. Ferguson. In the final analysis, white Southerners lost the war and lost their slaves, but they retained their land and found ways to regain their political power. While good intentions helped to pass the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, debates over the powers of the federal government, corruption, and infighting kept radical Republicans from creating lasting change in the South. Black people fought for their rights, but they found little help from the federal government and no help from their local governments. Jim Crow would reign for the next 70 years. That's the end of this section.